Last weekend, we experienced daylight savings time, and we all know what daylight savings time is for the two times of the year, spring forward and fall back. I thought for this edition of the New Directions podcast and for the next one as well, we would go with the spring forward, fall back concept with regard to the Royals. For this first part, we'll do the spring forward portion because in 2020, we will be springing forward, bringing in a new owner in John Sherman and a new manager in Mike Matheny. Bob Fesco recently, Bob Fesco from 610 Sports that is, recently had a conversation with our new Royals manager who had, I think, a lot of very nice things to say about his upcoming position. Quick background that Jay Binkley provided. Mike Matheny led the Cardinals to four playoff appearances when he was managing over there. And he was a catcher for 13 years in Major League Baseball. And I know for a fact who those 13 years were for, they were for the Cardinals as well. It's gonna be interesting. And I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Bob Fesco sits down with Mike Matheny next. When he started CBS's Sunday morning show in 1979, Charles Kowalt said the following, here begins something new. And in 2020 with the Royals, something new will be beginning too, with our new owner, John Sherman, our new manager, Mike Matheny. Bob Pesco recently sat down with him. Here's what he had to say. We're going to talk to the uh, man himself. Yeah, have a seat, Matheny, Joining us uh, in studio here this morning. And the, uh, the paparazzi with him, yeah, too. Yeah, the new manager of the Royals joining us uh, here in studio. Congratulations and uh, welcome aboard. Thank you. In a new role, I guess. That's right. That's right. Thank you very much. How fired up are you for this? I've been uh, I've been on on a cloud here uh, all day yesterday. Obviously, just just a buzz. Um, didn't really know what the timing. Didn't know if it was ever going to really really work out. Um, I think I said it yesterday as clearly as I could. I I knew early on this is where I wanted to be, but it's not always the case when it's reciprocated. So yeah, uh, when it when it became. Um, when it became obvious that this this might be a real good fit, uh, just kind of counting down the days to make it official and then get busy and jump in and start meeting people. Yeah, I, I don't know if they, they informed you or not, but I was actually up for the job as well. I was right? disappointed I didn't get it. So could I be the bench coach? Yeah, I, I heard they put all the positions in the paper. Uh-huh. And, um, everybody could just kind of put their, their piece in. Right. But, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, we're, we're taking applications. Come on. Perfect. I got a picture of my kid catching. I got her in a perfect catching position. Is that eight, right? Eight-year-old softball. So Which a former catcher would be really, right, yeah. really impressed, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you the picture um, later. With that. <laughs> the good thing and, is, and he's not kidding either. He lobbied multiple times to uh, to date more to try to get it in. You know what? I don't blame him. Uh, is you know, a, the media knows it all, so, so of course. No, I'm not saying I know it all. Right. I, I think I would be good in front of the media and then let everybody else handle everything behind the scenes. There you go. It's a big part of it. Right? right? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. And, and is there a better gig on planet Earth than being a manager in a baseball team? 
I, I would love it. Yeah, I think you would too. I've been carrying around my laminated lineup for 2021, 2022 for the last couple of years. Right. I'll just slide yeah. that over to you. <laughs> you got it. I've sent it to Dayton a couple of times. Uh -huh. A couple of the scouts have a copy of it as well. It's, yeah. it's, it's laminated to, you know, to kind make of preserve it, it, make it official. And yeah. Look at what do you think? That, that's pretty good. It's going to be hard to keep in your pocket, though. It's a little big. But... Well, I've got, I got, I got smaller sizes oh, okay. for this. I've got 8x11s yeah. and 5x7s, you know, yeah. whatever size you need. I can Unfortunately, take so that, that was his presentation today more was the laminated lineup right. and the picture picture of his daughter in perfect catching position. That's, okay. that's all you really have. Oh, that's a good start. That's what else do I need? I don't think much more. Yeah, very good. <laughs> so I worked in St. Louis for three years. I know how hard that can be over there. And the, and the best thing for you is you don't have to fake your love of Pro-Belt cheese anymore. Isn't that the best thing about coming to Kansas City now? You don't have to worry about that anymore? You know what? I, was, I am a pizza fan, um, but but I, I, I can't get into it being on a pizza. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think it works that way. Um, so anyway, uh, th there's just so much we're looking forward to. Kristen and I uh, talked about this, and, and the timing's been so nice with our youngest being out of the houses. And, and we didn't know how this was going to play out. Um, but we said, you know, if we get another chance to, to be somewhere else, let's just jump in and see a new new town. Let's jump in the, into the community. Let's jump into just seeing a different life. And uh, it, it's something that uh, we see being a, not just a, a great experience, but just keep meeting really impressive people that uh, – this could be just a, a, a cool change of life for us. Yeah, it really can. And I think you're going to love it here. I mean, this this is a great place to be, a great place to raise a family. And, and really, you, you talked a lot about it yesterday, about this community involvement. And I've been looking kind of at your Catch-22 Foundation and all the stuff you do and have done with your foundation. I mean, this is a city that loves to give. It loves to have people give, give back and take care of others. Like, I don't think you're going to find a city like this anywhere else. And I'm involved in a lot of foundations and on some boards for foundations around town. And anytime you go and talk to people about anything, people are willing to give and willing to help. And what can I do? And I know that was important to you. It's something that you talked about yesterday in, in the press conference about wanting to be part of this community. And if you truly want to be part of this community, man, doors are wide open. People are going to love you up for being part of this community. Well, and, and I think there's there's an evolution. And I've talked to a, a lot of players about this, too. I mean, a lot of guys, just they just get into the league and then they just want to show that they can stick around. And then... You start to realize there's a huge opportunity here to do something. I mean, you can either build up your own brand and, and start to market yourself in, in different ways, or you can realize that there's a huge platform to maybe do something positive. And, and I've thought about this, and it, it's overwhelming because it, it gets to the point of being an opportunity to then. I think there's an obligation for us to go and try and do something and, and leave a mark here. And and then you start you start seeing some of the the give back for that when you when you jump in and help people and you realize that man, that means more than i even thought for that little bit of time or that little bit whatever i gave uh, realizing what it's doing for folks and and then now that just kind of gets a ball rolling and it's uh to me it's, it's it's addictive to when you start when you start finding out that sweet spot of man how can i use what i've got to make somebody else better it, it just makes it all make a lot more sense either there's nothing better than seeing the joy in somebody's face when you help them get something that they couldn't achieve because you were able to make a difference and, and i've seen a lot of people you know just give them something simple for christmas or something like yeah. that or, or, or able to let their kids you know go trick-or-treating or something that they weren't able to have and you see the difference that you make and you're like wow, I didn't realize the impact that we could have by doing this stuff. And you're right, it is addictive, Mike. I'm yeah. not going to lie. It, it, it is an addictive type of feeling that you get. What's the best story that you have from helping somebody where you saw, man, I just made a difference or someone? Yeah, I, I would say it's probably uh, we were able to build some handicap accessible baseball fields. And uh, I remember when I went out and I kind of snuck in. I would just go by on occasion and just watch these kids. And it, 
it would bring me it bring me to tears just to watch the joy they had and i just tried to stay away where nobody knew where i was but just to watch them it was baseball at its purest i've always said that like about wiffle ball where you just kind of get the rules out of the way you get some of the, the some of the parents out of the way to be honest <laughs> and, and, the, and the coaches and uh, just let kids play and then you watch some of these kids who've just been dealt a really bad hand right and then we were able to create a space where, where they were able to go and, and actually just have, have fun. And even though they couldn't swing the bat, many couldn't throw, they couldn't get themselves around the bases. When they crossed home plate, you could see their joy. And so I had a mom come out. She recognized me. And, and, and I'll never forget, she came over and she goes, you have no idea. First of all, this kid says this is his field. But there's one thing on a refrigerator, and it's the scheduled dates of when he gets to come to his field. He watches every single game. He listens to everything about this team. There is no possible way. And if you think of the, the confinement of this little guy who was, was about 12 years old, you know, that was kind of his life was in this vacuum of where he was just constantly consuming baseball. And, and, and he was such a big fan and couldn't wait to get out there. And, and it meant that much to their family that this was the most important thing for them. When the winter time came around, all they were talking about was when he would get back on that field. And, and he, he couldn't play the game, but you couldn't tell him that because he was experiencing it. It was a fan at the purest level in my mind. And then to be able to, to do something to, to give that. And I always tell the guys in the clubhouse this too. There's some miracle of reciprocity. I don't know how exactly it works, but it seems like the more we give like that, and you create something special for somebody, it comes back to you. Uh, and, and I don't, and I think it comes back in multiples. And I just, you know, we're, as we're talking about building a team here, I, if, if we can get our head around that, we've got such a competitive advantage. If we can get people to start thinking about even others in the clubhouse above ourselves, when, when the guys on the teams get that right, all of a sudden the, the natural byproduct, I think is an environment to win, but I think it's also by, a byproduct is going to be, those things are going to come, you, your, your contracts, your stats, but when, you start focusing on other people. It's an environment to, to where everybody gets better. You mentioned wiffle ball. Do you want to get a team at Dayton's wiffle ball tournament? I heard about that. It's awesome. I heard about that. You know yeah. what? That, that's, Scott Sharp is the home run kick. By yeah, the way. Yeah, 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 that, team. That's yeah. not going to last long. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 you think about doing yeah, it? I like yeah, it. All no, right. I'm telling you, wiffle ball is my gig. But uh, anyway, I couldn't hit I couldn't hit water when I thought of a boat when I got to the big leagues. But I can hit a wiffle ball. So let's just Can you park them in wiffle ball? Because oh, it's, yeah, not, it's not Left-handed. Really? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just I should have hit lefty in, in the big leagues. But, uh, no, it's wiffle ball. I, I, I build a wiffle ball field for my kids. Okay. Um, fence, um, scoreboard, but you had to hang the numbers, that kind of scoreboard. Nice. Uh -huh. Lights, irrigation. I mean, it was the real backstop bases, everything cut out. It was the real deal. It happened. Did you have tournaments on there oh, or anything no, like that? Uh, no, not officially, but I, there was at least two different times we watched the sun come up where uh, we just played all night long. All night? All night. Wow, that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, usually, and actually, it was usually Halloween, and because we would, kids would go and they'd be on the sugar high, so they weren't sleeping anyhow. Right. But, uh, yeah, it was all night long wiffle ball. I don't know if it gets any better than that, to be honest. No, it really it, it, just you and the kids. No, no, we'd bring in for whoever just showed right. up. Right. It was yeah. it was like a pickup game. It was funny. Uh, some of the guys uh, just got back from the Dominican Republic, but um, we'd been able to take some teams down there, uh, some young kids, to get them exposed to that. And, and, they, and the Cardinals just got back. I uh, where cameraman was just telling us he went on it with him with some of the young prospect guys. What a great way to just see and have a little more empathy of where some of these teammates come from. But the passion for the game down there, when we take these 12-year-old teams down, um, these kids realize you, you just throw them into a field and make the parents sit on the buses, and all of a sudden, baseball breaks out. I mean, there are multiple teams, and there's full games. They're making rules. Same thing we're talking about, like yeah. with wiffle ball. That's still alive in the DR, which is just so 
New Royals manager Mike Matheny joining us in studio. Mike, what, what struck me yesterday is uh, hearing you at the, the press conference yesterday was kind of the reflective nature of you could have stepped away from the game for a year. You were kind of preparing for that next role while doing another role. And it seemed like it was a really, really cool and unique kind of evolution. I don't think a lot of us probably take the time to kind of kind of pause like that and, and prepare for that next that next step that you did. Well, I, I just realized real quick how much I missed it. And um, it didn't make any sense because I just got through getting sideswiped and kicked in the gut and uh, trying to get catch my breath. And, and, and I'm telling you, it, it was real clear. And I mentioned it yesterday, two days later, I'm like, I, I miss it. I miss it already. And I just, I love even some of the garbage that has to come with. Uh, I, I just feel that's part of the, the job description. And I believe it's part of the process of helping people get somewhere special. So I knew if I ever wanted to do this again, uh, I just wanted to get better. And so I just sought out feedback, went to as many uh, trusted resources as I could. Uh, people that would be truth tellers didn't want to tell me. I didn't want to hear. I didn't want yes, man. I didn't want people telling me what I wanted to hear, but what I needed to hear. And then, all right, let's start chipping away. Here's here's some truths. Uh, here's, here's, here's what I see it here. Um, but I'm ready to jump in and, and work on some of the things that I believe are weaknesses. And just in case just in case I ever have the privilege of sitting in that seat again. What did you do for those like two days where you say it took you like two days and you were ready to go? Like what, what happened during those two days? Well, it was the all-star break. Okay. So I would have had three days anyhow. Right. So I would have been ready uh, either way, but um, you know, uh, we, we, uh, we have a place down Table Rock Lake. And so that's kind of our, our deal when, uh, when the all-star break comes along. Um, hopefully we, been in the world series a year before kind of busy on the all-star break sure. but when that yeah. does not happen um table rock is our spot so we were down at the lake and uh i'd sit on i'd sit on the back deck in the morning and uh, just answering so many texts cool things that came through from people that i was able to, to build relationships over the years and uh man just um it was real it was encouragement to me and uh and at that point i think it just kind of also helped helped recharge my passion i just have a passion for this game uh, people talk about how good this game's been to them. That's the, the worst understatement in the history of time for me. I mean, what this game has provided for myself and my family and the things that, and, and the ability to, to get out and meet incredible people in incredible communities. Um, I, I'm still blown away that um, I'm able to avoid a real job and do what I love to do. <laughs> yeah. You, you you literally went from managing Little League to the Big League. That's right. And like, so that's why I think I could do because I'm managing eight-year-old girls softball. Yeah. I'm the second assistant, not the head guy. So, yeah. you know, so that's why I could be a bench coach too. Okay. What do you like better, managing Little Leaguers or, or Big Leaguers? Um, you know what? The Big Leaguers, there's no parents around. No, I, I was going to ask about the parents. <laughs> yeah. 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 There, isn't there it? is that. Um, well, I mean, it's so radically different, but they're so similar too. It's amazing. And um, you know, some of the, the kids, I, and I'm still in touch with a lot of the kids I used to coach. Um, they're all mostly juniors and seniors in college now. So nice. I'm helping them with, with some, uh, some interviews and figuring out life after college, but it, it, it's, it's the same thing. It's, I, I truly believe that the managing, and you guys might argue this, um, you know, it's about 10% baseball and it's 90% people. And, I don't have any data to support that. That's just my own vision. But truth comes down to the fact that, 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 that I believe in, in the position of leadership or the position as a manager or a head coach. Uh, you're a teacher and you're helping people grow. And that's that you're creating an atmosphere to where you can just get excellence out of them no matter what. And what do they want to see from themselves? And so I saw that on the minor league, uh, on the little league and youth league level, um, be able to, to be a mentor for these kids and 
but just to to try and teach them, you know, talk about character. And, and I can't help but teach the game. I, that's all I see. You know, when I watch a game, I'll, I'll see a hundred different things and try and figure out when's the right time to maybe present this, especially obviously the young kids. And at the, and at the big league level, we're teaching too, and and always trying to, to make those com- those conversations. You know, unfortunately, I was able to get on the phone with almost every guy on the roster last night and just start talking really? about them. Yeah, and start talking about, hey, you know, here here's some things you might want to think about. Here's some of the – let's have this conversation later, but I saw this. I got to watch this game as a fan, uh, which was really cool, um, and, and I appreciate how you went about this. And just to, to throw some different things and then realize that that's what this organization has been doing for a long time. I mean, for months now they've been in these conversations of, What's some of the analytical data pointing towards on this particular guy? What are we missing? Is there is there something small because he's just missing that little? And so then having that process start to, to have place, because it needs to happen now. It's not something you necessarily want to introduce in spring training. You need to get some of the information that we're getting from TrackMan and Rapsodo and from Blast Motion and from some of these Etrotronic cameras that are breaking down those little tiny differences that can give these guys an edge to maybe take their game to a completely different level. You also... It- Managing the youth kids, that's kind of where this Matheny Manifesto came Yeah. You, you seem humbled by that or yeah. embarrassed by that. I was watching an interview that you did, and you kind of brought that up. You're like, I didn't really want that to come out like that, but it did. And yeah. it kind of it turned into a New York Times bestseller. So for fans who don't know what the Matheny Manifesto is, explain it in, in I guess, Matheny's words. <laughs> so uh, finished playing, and um, our fourth son, was on a team and they didn't have a coach and so the parents all came to me parents a lot of them were friends and they asked me to coach and by that time i'd already kind of watched a little bit and i'd seen something really dysfunctional i mean i'm, I'm watching parents climb up the backstop screaming at a 12 year old umpire and people getting into fist fights in the parking lot and i'm thinking you know what happened here i mean this is whacked out and i so i i answered them and i said listen i'll I'll be happy to, to coach, but there's going to be some things that I just, I know were done for me. And I think it happened for a lot of these guys that I've not just played with, uh, but I think the guys in the big leagues now, I think you're going to see some similarities. And I started listing and I thought it was going to be a pretty short list. I was on a flight and it ended up five pages, single space later. I've got this thesis and, and it, Sounded really good as I'm typing it out, and I get in front of these folks, and many of them are very, very successful people, older than me, more successful in life. I mean, they're just really high-class folks, and I'm reading this to them like I'm, I'm beating them up. And and as I'm reading it, I'm realizing this sounds really, really, really like, bad. They're, they're reconsidering at this point. Like, this yeah, is, this this is, is the guy we want? Like, what is going on here? Yeah, right? and I'm reconsidering, too. So anyway. It's basically one of these things where you said, you people are going to do this, right? <laughs> no, that's 100%. Like, yeah. You come, you sit down, and you sit on your hands. And and I and I gave them some data. Part of it was there was a, a college report that went out that all these Division One athletes had said, um, "You guys have got to this high level. You you're one of the one percenters. What is it that you you want your parents to do when they came to watch you?" And it was this overwhelming percentage that said, "Nothing. That's what I want my parents to do. Is nothing. It's, I want to play." I just want to play. And I thought, man, that's so, so wise. So how can we take some of the pressure? And actually, that was the goal is how do we take pressure? You don't have to be the crazy. The craziest parent doesn't win. I don't think the craziest parent at these games are the ones that love the kids the most. And we know it's all based on how much they love them. But, you know, how can you come out and be a silent source of support? And let's try and do this a little different. So I challenge these parents. We're going to be different. And, you know, you can clap. You, you can be happy. And, but afterwards, you know, take a kid and go get some ice cream. Whether we win or lose, whether they strike out four times, so, you know, and then at home you can the best thing you can do is play some catch with them. But just let me coach them. I'll coach them. 
So anyway, uh, we had a great experience and we didn't go out trying to find the best kids. We just found people, you know, kids and said, we're going to develop them to about, you know, that 12, 13 age. And then they start to decide who's serious and then they need to find the team that fits them. But up until that age, let's go and teach these kids the game, how to play it right. But also the 99% need to know how to play the game with character and then live and be people with character. Right. And so teach them all the things the game teaches us with time management, failure, you know, you guys get all that. And so anyway, um, it was a great experience, but one of the parents in that meeting sent that letter out online. And Were you I, mad about that? I did. I I didn't think it. It never crossed my mind. Yeah. Why, why would you? Right? right. I'm writing a letter to a bunch of parents. Why would that go? But it struck a nerve with him. And and then one of my, my good friends, Kevin Seitz, are here in town with Mac and Seitz. Yeah. He pushed that out. And next yeah. thing you know, I mean, it's all over the place. So this is a way longer answer than you guys wanted, but listen, uh, it got to the point of where well, it was a five page, you know, thing. So then you can see why the answers. Apparently I'm wording. I've read it a couple of times when, when your name started to circulate. And I'm like, all right, I got to read all this stuff. I got who this guy is. And, and I read it and I'm like, I would love to give this to the parents of the team that I coach on, but our parents are great. Like we don't have an issue. And, and I know you've, You've had maybe one or two here or there. Yeah. But like for the most part, every team that we're a part of here for our kids, and I've got two daughters, we just kind of do our thing as parents. Just let the coaches do their thing, and and we're just going to kind of blend into the background because I think that's the way it needs to be. And so I read your, your thing, and I'm like, this is this is great. This is how it should be because you hear about these nightmare stories yeah. about parents and, and how parents ultimately ruin the sport for their kids, you know? Yeah, well – it sounds to me like you're still trying to make a, a bit of bench coach. Um, <laughs> very, very convincing, by the way. You're gaining traction. You're Thank lamp- you. Yeah, I'm getting over the laminated paper. Um, but, yeah, yeah, and, and, you know, I'm guilty, too. I mean, there's things when I'm watching my kids. You can't help but like, hey, man, how about that, you know? And But, fortunately, I, I had great examples of parents that just showed up. And um, and, and that's, that's all I can do is kind of give these people an example. And, and hopefully that is the case of so people in Kansas City don't need to go anywhere near that. But what it was was for people that were kind of stuck on the edge, maybe people that haven't been brought around baseball or sports. And here's another option how you can go about it. You can do whatever you want, obviously. But when it comes down to, hey, I think there's a great opportunity to use sports to build your kid into the kind of person you want him to be, boy, girl, whatever sport it is, let's use that sport to develop those character traits. And in the end, I truly think that's probably the way most of these people go about it to, to raise those one percenters that do have the ability to take it as far. And I like the fact, too, you said you know, up to 12 or 13, kind of have fun with it, learn the game. In any sport, I think we've lost a lot of that. We're specialization. I know we talk yeah. about a lot of times. Talk about sports, Gene Watson a and, lot will come on. And being and younger and younger and younger and maybe not allowing them to be kids as well. Yeah. Well, I'm afraid I wouldn't have been able to play baseball today. I mean, it's just so expensive. And to, to, yeah. I mean, at their early, early ages jumping in, you feel like you have to get your foot in the door with, with some of the club mm-hmm. stuff. And there, there are some great programs out there. Don't get me wrong. But once again, trying to, and the whole idea, uh, maybe uh, present what I did to our parents, let's just see if we can be a model how to do it. One, real cost efficient. And it's not going to be your, your second job. Um, and then make this be a lot of fun about and, and, and the overriding thing for everything because this is all about kids. If we have some agenda, if we're looking for some sort of return of investment on these guys, we're probably I'm probably not the guy for you to, to hang out with here. So, and and I think that's just kind and of that's a, good. They didn't have that expectation of you too because if you're if you're asking a or a big leader to be the coach, there could be expectations of parents like, well, he's going to push my kid to the he's going to make my kid a big he's going to make my kid a big leader. Yeah, you know, and the cool thing, too, is we we went about that process, and there were quite a few kids, actually two of them in the NHL, 
two two of the boys on that original team uh, were in the national. You hockey turned on the hockey, huh? Yeah, I did. I, that, it was, it was <laughs> such a bad baseball coach that they couldn't get away, and uh, they had to get out of the sport. But um, and then uh, actually, one of the boys is a short starting shortstop here at KU, Benjamin Sims. And, uh, we've got a number. My son went on and, and played at uh, at Indiana, and then at Mizzou. And you know, it's just fun to watch uh, how how they do. Kind of, they figured out whether they love it or not. But there's a whole bunch of those kids that are just successful people, and I can't wait. Those are the ones that I just I love helping and opening doors and figuring out how we can help them in life. Your daughter played hockey too, right? Yeah, she's she's a, she's amazing. Is she? Yeah. Like, yeah. how how awesome is that to watch your daughter out there playing playing ice hockey? Or, yeah. Or your big right, like you grew up in Ohio, but you went to Michigan, and then your daughter goes to Ohio State. Like, that's, well, that's what rough. is that? Like? That's got to yeah. be like the rough family gathering. <laughs> yeah. So yes, Mike Swanson. Uh, director of media relations was all over me yesterday about, okay, hi, a guy from Columbus, Ohio, how do you go to Michigan? And that's a great question. Yeah, I mean, I think you got, you got to doubt that guy's character, right? right. So long story is there was a better player that went to Ohio state, better catcher, way better catcher coming out of that same area. And so he left it open for me and, and Michigan was a great fit. And so then I, I do get approached with, okay, you go to Michigan. Now, how does your daughter go to Ohio state? My first response is, listen, that's actually the sweetest revenge. They, they paid for every dime of her college. <laughs> so, I, they, I, you know what? She's been a very humble winner all these years when that head-to-head -head competition comes around. Um, she's, she's shown a lot of grace in that. But uh, just really proud. Just She stuck it out in a tough sport. Phenomenal athlete. Just to watch her play at, at Ohio State for four years was just a, a gift. Are all your kids pretty good? It seems like it. Like they got guys in the Red Sox organization. You got kids playing collegiate baseball. Like it seems yeah. like everybody kind of you know followed in their dad's footsteps. You know, and a, a big part of that goes back to that, that book and that letter because the whole thing I was saying, like, yeah, your kid doesn't have to be a college athlete to be successful. And then that was way before my kids were all small at the time. And then all five of them end up playing Division One, which that's pretty freakish. That is. Um, but I, I attributed that obviously. Uh, to the athleticism of their mother. Um, Kristen was a, a dual sport athlete at Michigan. She went there for track, ended up just playing field hockey. But her dad actually, and, and, and I got a question about him yesterday. He was a quarterback at Mizzou. His name was Gary Lane. Uh, Gary had a, a good stay at Mizzou uh, and then played mostly as a backup quarterback in the NFL for a few years and then actually became a uh, referee in the NFL, which was the last former player that, that refed. So there's uh, there's that athletic stuff, that, you know, the kids are all Marion athletes, too. So oh, really? Yeah, whenever. It's just going to continue, huh? Yeah, wiffle ball, I'm telling you. So now it's wiffle ball, and it's like our family. We, we've got enough for a couple teams. It's pretty cool. When you move here, are you going to build a wiffle ball field in I'm the house? Think, I'm thinking about Or in the neighborhood or something. we got to do wiffle it. Wiffle ball is just a part of what we do. That's right. Yeah. Make sure it's on the Kansas side. <laughs> right, Swanee? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know where he lives. I, I know where his heart is. I don't think you put Swanee in that position. That's not real cool. Uh, we're getting to know new Royals manager Mike Matheny. We'll continue with him uh, coming up after a quick break. But uh, Mike Matheny, our pleasure to host him in studio. And we're all getting to know the new manager of the Royals next. Let's go in the morning. While they're on a break, I'll interject with a special announcement. I was planning to move the Blog Talk Radio, my show that had been on Blog Talk Radio, over here to anchor on a full-time basis. I was planning on doing that next year. Next year came early. I am officially moving it here as of now. And I'll kick it off with a show about animals that I had heard from Fox that I heard a report on from Fox 4 recently 
uh, tomorrow night. This today will be part one and two of Spring Forward Fall Back with the Royals. Back now to Mike Matheny. It is a Friday edition of Fesco in the Morning, along with Bob Fesco, Ryan Witkowski. I'm Josh Klickman. We didn't even ask him to stick around, but we're glad he did. Uh, Mike Matheny, the new Royals manager, thanks for uh, a few extra minutes. Uh, we put you on the spot. Didn't let you leave, I think. We got you locked in the room. Yeah, the door was locked. I tried to get out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I was watching this interview you did, I guess it was over in St. Louis a couple of years ago. You talked about the word love being a misunderstood word mm. and, and, and whatnot. And I was thinking about that, and like we say love, we think of emotional love, but you, you think of love as kind of something you need to maybe run a clubhouse effectively, too. Yeah, we're getting deep here. Um, I did my homework. Yeah, I guess so. You want to see that line? The bench again? coach thing again. Oh, that's right. true. Yeah, that's keep that's that true. in the back of your mind. You know, I, I'm, I'm surprised I actually didn't say it yesterday because it's one of my, just kind of my gig. Um, man, I, I am not ashamed to, to tell people I, I love these players, and and once again, I do believe when you hear that, I think most dudes out there probably cringe a little bit like, oh, here we go. Um, but I, I, I don't know any other way to explain. I have a deep, a, a deep and genuine care and concern for them as people. And, you know, that's hard to do as you're balancing because you feel like you've got a big impact and influence on whether or not they achieve their life dreams of what they want to achieve. And so you're balancing that all the time and, and trying to get to know them um, you know, I believe in management by walking around. So every day I, I'm on the field, I, I try and throw BP every day. And then I go around and I, I walk around the stadium, uh, wherever the guys are on the field. And, and I just talk. And usually that's not about baseball. That's a time when I can get them one-on-one, talk about life, you know, and, and, and uh, some of my, I, I believe best moments as a coach or as a manager is when, man, we got some guys going through slop. I mean, just some serious stuff and it's up to their neck and, you know, a lot of times I think they give off this false bravado when they stand on the field and they look like a Greek god that's got everything under control. But they've got life too, and they've got they've got stuff that they're not necessarily equipped because I, I think this this stuff kind of amplifies with the fame, with all the things that come with how great this game could be to you. And I don't know if most guys are properly prepared, and and they just don't have uh, many people that they can truly trust to, to help wade through that stuff. And so when I say I love these guys, I'm I need them to know that I care about them more than as a commodity to help us win a game. We are out there to win. I, that's it. I mean, let's just say that. And it's, it's tattooed on our brain that that is what we're doing now. There's a whole lot of other things we got to do. We can't just stand out there and, and yell, we want to win. We want to win. We know that if you don't want to, you, sh- you probably aren't going to be around very long. But after that, there's got to be a process. And I believe part of that process uh, is, and, and part of the privilege is that we get an opportunity to be with these guys for hopefully nine months straight and, and life happens in those nine months. How can I jump in to help whatever's going on in your life to help you get through it? Because I know in the end, you want to be successful in a lot of different things, not just baseball. And, you know, tell me what's important to you. How can I help? And if I'm invited into those conversations, I don't jam stuff down their throat, anything, but if I get the privilege to be invited in, I'm, I'm in. And uh, how, how can I help? It's, it, it, it's really the, the similar approach that I think this Royals organization has kind of been about. It's always been about the people more so than, than the baseball side. And we've called it very different. Yeah. We feel like it would be very different than whatever percent, a high percentage of maybe other franchises. I feel like that, that, that's been really ingrained into this one. There's no doubt. And I mentioned that yesterday yeah. about that.
I had heard that interview for the very first time. And I have to say, I am impressed with Mike Matheny. I think that he's going to bring a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of new ideas, and perhaps some motivation along the way too, to breathe some new life into the Royals organization. With John Sherman being the owner as well, I think a lot of new things are going to happen. A lot of fun is going to take place as well. I am very much excited for next year. I'm already planning to be at Fan Fest when it comes up in late January. Enthusiasm for Kansas City, you really can't beat it. In the second half of my Spring Forward Fallback series, we're going to fall back to a game that I featured in my book, A Stadium of Royal Memories, and I'm not talking about the game from September the 24th of 2015. I am talking about a game that an anniversary that an anniversary remembering that particular game just passed on November the 1st that is the same day we had Mike Matheny's interview on 610 this particular game happened I will talk about that in the fallback section of this New Directions podcast I will join you later today with part 2 And remember, as I interjected during the Matheny interview, this is the new home of the New Directions podcast. I have merged the show I had into this one. And I think it's going to be a little more fun, and I'm looking forward to the possibilities that may be able to come out of doing this. So in any case, join me later today for part two of this series, and join me tomorrow night as we talk about animals, once again, right here on the New Directions podcast. See you on the radio later today. Until then, so long, everybody.